Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Welcome, welcome everybody to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast, live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, Missouri. Today's podcast number 29, and it just so happens to be November 29th, 2016, and we've got a great podcast for you today. As always, let me get a give you a couple updates from the happenings around Herman London. Uh, for us, the market has not slowed down. We've been having a ton of closings lately, and as some of you know, I just got back from my honeymoon and my wedding, and there was a big stack of HUDs on my desk, so we always like that when we come back from town. Uh, we're exciting. We're excited for our upcoming business planning retreat on December sixth. We're switching up the format again this year, and it's going to be an all-day event. And the, we also have that day the awards ceremony and the goal-setting activity that we've grown to love. After that, on December 13th, we've got our company sales meeting. And it's, this week, it's going to be all about listing presentations. After that, we're going to head to Hacienda for the company holiday party. I've been meeting with a bunch of different agents from our company and helping to make sure they have their marketing plans intact. It's kind of interesting to see the different statuses of their businesses and what their goals are and what their plans are and how they want to achieve it. So I love meeting with them and seeing how I can help them figure out what they're going to do with their business. And uh, just a quick update on my latest rehab. We're rehabbing this four-family building at 4922 Wise in the Grove. We finally completed it, actually. We got it on the market. It's listed for $245,000. Like I said, it's a four-family building, and two of the units rent at six fifteen, and two of the units rent at six fifty. So if you have an interested buyer or if you want any more information about buying uh, investment properties like this, this one's going to be a, gate, a great cash-flowing property, and uh, we'd love to go through the numbers with you. So without further ado, we have a very special guest here today. We've got Nate Johnson, and it's going to take me about a half an hour to go through all of Nate's titles, but Nate is the past St. Louis Association of Realtors president from 2011. He's currently a YPN board member. He's the 2016 treasurer for the Missouri Association of Realtors. He's about to be the president-elect of the Missouri Association of Realtors. He's the owner of Real Estate Solutions, and he's an okay guy. Hmm. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> you Thank like that? You. Yeah. So how does this work? You're about to be the president-elect. So you are the president-elect as a position that you hold for a year? That's correct. So I'll be president-elect for 2017, and then I will transition into being president of our great association for 2018. And it's no longer the Missouri Association of Realtors, right? It's just Missouri Realtors? Uh, yes. You know, it's a little bit easier to go by Missouri Realtors instead of uh, saying the whole Missouri Association of Realtors, but we are still an association that serves all of our realtor members all over the state of Missouri. Well, Nate, we're excited to have you here today. I do have a ton of questions for you. Thank you for making time and your schedule for us. Sure. And uh, some of what I did to, I've I known you for a long time, obviously, but one, some of the things I did to prepare this is I looked you up online. Oh, I see. And I see that you were the past president. Uh, I knew you were the past president of the St. Louis Realtors, what we call it now, or St. Louis Association of Realtors. But what is, you were also the past president of the St. Louis Association of Real Estate Professionals? 
Yeah, so the St. Louis Association of Real Estate Professionals is a uh, chapter of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, which is the oldest African-American trade association in the country. Oh, okay. So it's, um, you know, uh, the St. Louis Association of Real Estate Professionals is a subgroup of that. And, you know, what we do is just look to make sure that housing opportunities are available and uh, available for the minority community here in St. Louis. Okay, so is that that's totally separate from the St. Louis Association of Realtors? Absolutely, mm-hmm. and that's why it's just called real estate professionals. That's correct. Um, yeah, so the, the the association does partner with the Realtor Association as well, but it is a different organization. You know, it was founded in 1947, and as you may know, Adam, uh, there was a time when African Americans and other minorities were not able to be members of the St. Louis Association of Realtors or the National it. Association of Realtors. In fact, it wasn't really until the 70s that African-Americans were uh, able to join our association. And uh, so as a result, this organization was formed again back in 1947, but it just sort of continued because where the need for the formation in 1947 was just because there was no other association to belong to, it's transitioned more into an advocacy group to look out for the concerns of African-American home buyers and sellers. Well, I'm... I'm kind of without words right now. I'm shocked to find out that African-Americans couldn't be members of the Association of Realtors in, until the 70s. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I know it's kind of shocking, um, but, you know, it's just kind of uh, it's 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 part of the history of our country. You know, and real estate's no different. We've seen a lot of segregation throughout the years and we've had a lot of challenges and we've made a, a lot of progress. Of course, as you know, I was the first African-American president of the St. Louis Association of Realtors in 2011. And the association has done a wonderful job of creating inclusion and opportunities for minorities and others to be involved at the association and to uh, to, to to forward the progress of, of of all citizens here in America. Was it just like something that they for, like a law they forgot to change? No, no, no. It was uh it was it was practiced. And and I, quite honestly, I don't know exactly when the official rule changed mm-hmm. where um African Americans were able to become members, but you know, as you could imagine, similar to many neighborhoods that we've seen um around the country and and around our city and other segregational segregation activities that occurred, although maybe on the books the rule was changed in practice it still remained uh the same for for years after that i wish i would have known what that was and prepared so many more questions about it well you know adam the thing is is that we as you know have a have a long way to go in our country and we've come a long way uh you know so i think that that's just part of the history of not only our realtor association but again as our, you know, part of the history of our country as a whole, that we need to look at these things and say, okay, these things happen. All right. How do we move forward from the wrongs that were done in the past? And how do we make sure that the wrongs that occurred in the past are not continuing to hamper our growth as a nation? Well, I have to say you are a very inclusive person. You know, I was a member of the Association of Realtors for, I I guess, six or seven years before you were the president, but I never got involved with the Association of Realtors until you were the president because you appointed me for a few positions. I don't know if you remember that, but Mm -hmm. it's because of you that I'm still active with the Association of Realtors. And uh, I'm not on the mayor's board anymore, but I was because of you. So thank you very much. You're very Mm -hmm. inclusive and uh, you've 
helped me and so many other people to kind of be involved with the you know with the association and other types of groups yeah thanks adam you know i really believe in a big 10 philosophy i know that we've got a large association and we've got a lot of great talent that exists within it uh, as a result, if I can get more people involved, whether that be at the local, state, or national level, our association at all of those levels is going to benefit as a result of that. Um, you never know what talent someone has that they can bring to the table to help our membership grow and help our membership become more professional. And of course, as a result, the most important thing is how we're impacting our community and how we're helping our clients and customers achieve their real estate goals. What did you mean when you said, the? is it the big tent philosophy? Yes, big tent. Uh, as opposed to having a small tent where you have a small group of people who are running the show, a small group of leaders that are sort of peeling off and going and doing their own thing and making all of the decisions for the association. And this is any association or group, not not exclusively with realtors. Um, the Big Ten philosophy for me speaks more to, okay, you know what, let's bring more people into the tent and get their buy-in and get their feedback and their opinions and utilize their skills and expertise to help uh, whatever association or group uh, that's involved grow and get to the next level. And you've done a great job with it, but it's challenging, right? It's hard to get people to want to come kind of into the tent and help out, it seems. Yeah, you know, it is it can be challenging certainly because for some people what their belief is and this is, you know, speaking specifically for the realtor associations, what occurs is that they feel that they don't have time to volunteer their efforts for association business when they have their own real estate business that they should be focusing on. And I think that that's a misconception because what I found in all of my years of being involved in association uh, leadership and association activities is it's really helped my business get to the next level every step of the way. I've grown not only uh, professionally, but I've made some great friends with, uh, you know, so my personal relationships have grown. I'm just a much better person overall and a better businessman as a result of my volunteer efforts within the association. And I was going to ask you later, but you, you brought it up. So let's talk about it. You, you know, why should other realtors get involved like you've done? And it sounds like you learn how to be more professional. You learn how to be more successful in business. I mean, I, you learn, I guess, what's going on in the real estate industry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, know, uh, you, you hit exactly the, a few of the things that are extremely important and extremely valuable to be being a part of a, the association business. You know, here locally, what I found is that being involved with the association, I was able to com uh, network and meet with fellow agents and fellow realtors that I'm doing business with each day. And as you know, Adam, when you're working on a transaction with someone you know on the other side representing the buyer or seller, it's a much smoother transaction for Absolutely. everyone. So that has really helped from that standpoint. You know, I've gotten direct business opportunities, referrals, someone who I know that works in a particular part of town who may not work in an area that I work in, they've referred me business. So that's direct business opportunities that have occurred. Now, you know, we mentioned the professional development. Uh, you know, sitting here with you today, Adam, doing this podcast, this is something that without my experience in association uh, leadership and roles there and having training that has been provided to me, I may not be comfortable sitting in front of you having this conversation. So this is something that the association has invested in me to prepare me to uh, help lead our association. And then, uh, you know, again, I mentioned the friends, friendships that I've made. 
I count you as one of them. Oh, thank uh, you. You know, uh, you know, great friends and just talking about business. And you know what? I have a wonderful family and love them to death, but there's some things that they just don't understand about my business. And it's always great when I can have conversations with my fellow realtors about issues that they're facing and uh, how they deal with certain issues and challenges. And, and again, it just helps get to the next level um, and helps me be a better overall person. Okay. And so uh, sorry to be just sort of jumping around. I just prepared all these questions. Uh, you're also on something called the Smart Growth Advisory Board. Is that through the Realtor Association or is that something totally different? Yeah, so the Smart Growth Advisory Board, I'll actually be the 2017 chairman of the Smart Growth Advisory Board, and this is for the National Association of Realtors. Okay. And uh, what, what happens there is what we do is we work to educate realtors on how they can implement more smart growth principles within their communities. And when I say smart growth, what we're talking about is how do we build our communities in a sustainable way where we're taking into account not only the built environment, um, which is the houses and businesses what, the built, oh, built, built you know, built uh, homes and mm-hmm. uh, factories and, and commercial spaces. But we're also taking into account the natural environment and we're marrying these things together to see what is the best use for uh, for the you know, for the for the community. And not only what is the best use for now, but what's going to be the best use for my children and my grandchildren? You know, how do we sustain certain things? And smart growth is, is not about no growth. It's about growing appropriately. Uh, we want to have, we want to see more density in areas that call for that. We want vast open spaces for areas that call for that as well. So it's about creating a balance and not just... Um, not just having development take place haphazardly, but having development occur in a thoughtful way where the community is taken into account, where not only what's going to happen uh, over the next 20 years is considered, but what's going to happen over the next 50, over the next 100 years. What's that going to look like? You know, we're here in St. Louis, Adam, and as you know, we've got a beautiful uh, a history of historic architecture here and, and beautiful neighborhoods and wonderful parks and all of that. And there were some thoughtful leaders that we had at some point that said, hey, this this is worth preserving. This is worth maintaining. And let's not, you know, bulldoze um, the art museum or bulldoze the things that are in Forest Park and build a bunch of houses there. Let's maintain that open space so that our children and grandchildren can enjoy that. So do, you know, in every different municipality, they have kind of city planning meetings and that type of thing. Do they get realtors involved or do they get people from your smart growth advisory board involved? Or how do you take kind of what you learn on that advisory board and sort of share that information or the ideal plan with, you know, the cities or the people who are kind of deciding where they're going to put the next Walmart or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we work with other realtors. These are realtor led initiatives. And one of the things that we've got with the smart growth advisory board are grants. So we have grants that are available for local and state initiatives so that uh, associations can bring in professionals and experts to help them in their planning processes or help them in uh, maybe implementing a placemaking initiative, which would be, uh, you know, creating a a trailhead or, or, uh, you know, maybe a, a park bench or something like that. Uh, You know, an an example, I was recently um, in Carrollton, Georgia and, um, you know, one of the things that happened there is, you know, the the local realtors uh, wanted to bring me in to give a presentation to 
them as well as uh, other community leaders and elected officials to discuss some of the uh, keys to smart growth and to help them uh, help them make sure that they're planning in a way that takes all of these things into consideration. One of the challenges that they had was the zoning that was taking place. Some of the zoning that was um, some of the zoning rules that were in place just weren't quite as appropriate as they should be for building a community in a 21st century way. Um, so what my goal was is to go down there and talk to uh, the county council and uh, the mayor and others and help them uh, perhaps see how their community could look if they would consider some other sorts of planning uh, initiatives. And, 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 you know, this is all very recent, but from what I've heard, they've had some good results as a result of the conference or, excuse me, the meeting that we had. And I, and I hope that that will continue. And I think that that's exactly what the Smart Growth Advisory Board is good for is to help to open the eyes of local elected officials and local uh, realtors and other community leaders on what opportunities for sustainability and growing your community in an appropriate way uh, exist for them. Wow. Okay. So do you have any tips for the realtors who are listening uh, about any upcoming changes in the industry or new tools and boards. I mean, I remember just a couple of years ago, it's just as a quick example, we changed the super box, you know, is there anything from on that level or, you know, much, much bigger picture that we should be aware of? Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say that the St. Louis association of realtors has done an amazing job over the last couple of years here with, you know, under the leadership of Sandy Hancock and Barry Upchurch and our new CEO, John Gormley, of really reaching out to the community and being more engaged at that level. You know, we're realtors and this is what we do. We are all about building communities and helping people achieve their real estate goals is critical in that, but we can't lose sight of the fact that not everybody is able to buy or sell a home today. So by giving back to the community and helping others that are in need is a, a great way for us to um, be present and really give back to the community that's done so much for us. Okay. And speaking of that, I think you do things outside of real estate too. You're on other boards, you're involved in your neighborhood, I think, right? What other kind of stuff do you do? Well, I, uh, I, I serve on the uh, preservation board for the St. Louis, uh, uh, for the city of St. Louis. So I serve as a commissioner there. And with the preservation board, what happens is that we, uh, review plans for improvements to properties that are within historic neighborhoods in the city of St. Louis. We review applications for demolition and alterations for commercial buildings that may be in a historic preservation district. Wow, you see some interesting things. Absolutely. So people, there's some old building that's sitting somewhere vacant and someone has a plan for it. They get some architectural drawings. They kind of figure out if they can afford to do it. What are they going to do? They have to present it to you guys. That's correct. Mm -hmm. To get the permission because it's a historic building or because they want historic tax credits or why do they have to come to you? Well, sometimes the historic tax credits come into play after they've come to see us. Okay. What happens with our uh, board is we're reviewing it strictly for, you know, if we're going to um, permit that type of uh, modification. Sometimes someone may come to the table and want to tear down a building as part of a redevelopment plan for a block. Mm -hmm. And it's up to us to determine whether or not that's appropriate, whether the building is historically significant enough or is a high, what's called a high merit building 
Um, and we're, you know, if we're going to be in a position to, to allow, to permit the demolition of that building, or if we want to preserve it. And it's not an easy decision either way, because sometimes what we find is that these buildings are just, they're beautiful as far as their architecture. However, the structural integrity of them has gone by the wayside and it may not be financially feasible for someone to come in and do the type of renovation on that building that's needed to bring it back and, you know, be a productive asset for the community. So sometimes when we permit the demolition of a property like that for a greater good, which is a a larger development or a bigger, more density within a given neighborhood, uh, increase on tax revenue, those sorts of things. It's good for the community. So it's a tough balance that we've got to strike sometimes to, uh, you know, versus keeping something or, or, um, or allowing it to be demolished. But of course we always want to take a thoughtful approach to that. And we want to take all of those things into consideration because we don't want to make decisions that are based solely on what's going to benefit the community next year or next month. And so what other kind of people are on that board? Is it like architects and, I mean, what what other kind of, obviously you have a lot of knowledge you can bring from your real estate experience. Mm-hmm. What else is there? Yeah, so there is a, a historic uh, preservation uh, uh, personnel that serves on the board. I would say that uh, their architects are probably the, make up the majority of the members. Okay. I believe we're just about an eight member board or maybe uh, eight or nine member board. So there's probably about uh, four architects. There's me as a real estate broker. There is a member of the community that's not affiliated in some, in, in any way, shape or form to, to uh, real estate. Um, and then, you know, uh, um, uh, a preservationist as well. Did they have to present to you the plans when they were going to do the big football stadium down there? No, the football stadium that didn't fall into our purview for that. We didn't. It didn't get to that level, and um, I believe that part of that was going to be on vacant ground. Now, should they need to demolish buildings in an effort to erect that building, the uh, the stadium? Then, yeah, they would have come to us, but it just didn't get quite to that level yet, where there was a formal application coming. That would have been interesting. That like a lot of pressure on you guys to make the right call there, right? Oh yeah, and that happens often. I mean, it's uh, we've we've had uh, cases come in front of us that have to do with like you know um, Barnes Jewish Hospital, and you know maybe a property that they want to a historic building that they want to take down as part of their redevelopment efforts, or uh, you know you may have heard of the case uh, you know with the Peavey, with the Peavely building that was a big deal uh, coming forward, and uh, you know often uh, sometimes what we're looking at too is. Uh, buildings that are, um, are they going to conform with historic standards and guidelines? An example of that would be in the loop, in the East Loop, where uh, there is now going to be a, I think it's a, a 25 to 30 story building, residential tower that's going to be constructed there. And that was a pretty contentious uh, issue because there was a lot of folks that did not want a building of that scale in the neighborhood. Um, but at the end of the day, the preservation board decided that it was con- it conformed enough, um, and we sort of again weighed the pros and cons, and you know the risk, the 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 positive outcome of having that building and creating higher levels of density. Um, but really, you know, historic preservation and historic guidelines is the the purview of that 
of that group. And that's, that actually seems like a great place to increase the density because of all the stores and everything there. I couldn't agree more. As part of being on that board, do you get to go and look at the buildings? Or like you said, that sometimes it's based on structural integrity and that type of thing. Is it more like you're reviewing uh, structural engineer reports? Or do you get to kind of go and walk through these cool buildings? Well, we're blessed to have a great staff uh, that that's, that serves um, and provides a lot of detailed information for the board. They actually go out and take photographs and uh, do all of the sort of legwork and, and and then presents us with you know nice high quality reports that have photos and descriptions of everything they're seeing. Okay, uh, so well, I got to ask. You're such a well spoken guy. What did you do prior to real estate? Did you teach Toastmasters classes or something? Like, what did did you do? What did you do before this? Real estate has always been my thing. You know, I uh, I'll tell you, when I was uh, around twelve years old, I I told my mom, you know, maybe we should rent out, we should buy this house so we can rent it out. Really? And I just always had a passion for real estate, and and at the time, it was more about buying homes and property as an investor and, and right. wanting to be a, you know, a landlord and a, you know, that sort of thing. But then once I, I found out about how to get into real estate and, and I got my real, real, real estate license and became a realtor and started helping people buy and sell homes, I just fell in love with that. So it took off and, you know, of course I invest as well, but you know, my passion is with helping people achieve their real estate goals. And, uh, it's just been a rewarding career for me and I'm, I wouldn't be doing anything else. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I got an opportunity to be a part of it. Yeah, great, and I'm I'm lucky to have you here. Is there anything other uh, other than the preservation board outside of real estate? Other boards you're on, or anything you want to mention? You know, I serve on the board for uh, for for Trailnut, uh, which is um, Trailnut's a great organization that helps keep uh, get people moving. And what this is so, th- this organization does, this is a not profit non profit organization that really works to be an advocate for um, safe walking, safe biking, and, and mass transit. And one of the big initiatives that we're working on at TrailNet is to create protected bike lanes um, so that people feel safe in our community riding their bikes. Now, one of the things you know, Adam, is that often when you look at people that are thinking of locating or relocating into a given market, they want to see what that market's going to offer for them. Uh, you know, we're obviously very concerned about recruiting and retaining talent and the creative class. And when you look at other communities that are very effective with that across our country and worldwide, of course, there are certain things that seem to be at play. And that's an effective mass transit system, which St. Louis, we've got the makings of, you know, our, our metro system does go to certain places, as you well know. However, it needs to go to more places. So that will be something that is, uh, would be great if we can see more of that. Having those protected bike lanes will really help people um, get to and from places a lot more uh, in a more safe fashion than they currently do. And that just speaks to uh, a more forward-thinking community. And hopefully that will be a place that is very attractive for folks who are thinking about making decisions on relocating their family. It's interesting. And you know, there's like the walkability score that you can assign to every property. It, I, is there like a bikeability score? Do you know? Yeah, you know, I'm not privy to a bikeability score, uh, actually, but that, that would be good. All the hipsters would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, when you're on a bike, you can pretty much get anywhere, um, you know, a lot faster than you can on, a, on, a, on feet. 
Well, I should say at this point, on behalf of all realtors and on behalf of just the members of the public, thank you for all of the work that you do. It seems like you are very busy out there, you know, volunteering your time to help out with all these important causes. So thank you for that. Thanks. All right. So you own a company, Real Estate Solutions. I do. And how long have you had that brokerage? Uh, Real Estate Solutions is 13 years old. Uh, we're, we're, we're we're rolling on 14, rolling up on 14 here in, in March. Wow, yeah. okay. That's awesome. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. And what do you like about owning your own brokerage? It's You know, it's it's great. I, I really love just being able to help people, quite honestly. And I guess, I you know, I've never necessarily, I don't feel that I had a necessity to own my own brokerage. So for me, my thought isn't that I had to own it, but... With ownership comes responsibility and being able to make decisions, mm-hmm. and I think that that's probably the bigger, the the most important thing for me is helping to, you know, help my team grow and and develop and and do good business for the community, and um, just being able to make the decisions as it relates to that. You know, I I would joke that um, if I don't like the way that the the company is operating, then all I have to do is go and look at the CEO in the mirror right. and and make a change and and get us moving in the right direction. Well, for some of the people who are listening that might be realtors currently and might be thinking about starting your own company, what are some challenges that come with owning your own brokerage and maybe how do you overcome some of them? Well, with opening with with having your own brokerage, I think you have to ask yourself the question, why do I want to own my own brokerage? Because when today's market and today's real estate landscape, there's so many ways that you can own your own business without even being your own broker mm-hmm. as as you know you know their t- uh, teams in real estate have become very popular and they get they are structured in in a way that uh is really having your own company without necessarily having the quote headache of the administrative back end uh uh, duties that are associated with brokerage management. So that would be one question that I'd ask somebody is why do you want to own your own broker brokerage? And the answer to that, you know, then sort of dictates what the next steps would be. For example, if someone says, I want to own my own brokerage because I want to, I, I want to grow a team or I want to grow agents. I want to bring more people on. Well, you can do that without owning your own brokerage. Someone says, I want to own my own brokerage because I want my name to be on the sign. Well, you can kind of do that without having your own brokerage. I want to own it because I just want to own it and I want to have complete control and autonomy of everything. Then, yeah, at that you point, you probably need to have your own company. Okay, so I noticed that you have, you know, you, not, a, not only you, but also your company has all sorts of listings You've got commercial listings, lease listings, big house listings, investment property listings. Do, do you or your company have a focus area? That's a great question, Adam. And I'll tell you, I get asked that often. And what I'll say is that, no, you know, we do quite a bit of, uh, of real estate in a variety of different ways. You know, when I first started my career, I worked with a broker and we did homebuyer seminars all over. So as a result, we would attract business from people that were interested in real estate in South County and North County and West County and the city and Central Corridor, all of that, all around St. Charles. So that's how my business grew. And I just, you know, most the majority of our business comes from referrals and from our network. So when you build referral networks and relationships with people all over the region, then as a result, your business comes from all over the region. And similar with commercial, you know, as I started to get commercial training several years ago with uh, taking the CCIM 
um, financial analysis for commercial investment course and really learning the ins and outs of commercial investment, that sort of took me to another level with my commercial uh, opportunities that were being presented to me. So now, you know, with our team of, uh, of 12, we've got people that are specialized in certain sectors of our market, but as a company overall, we handle the entire uh, St. Louis, uh, St. Louis region on this side of the river, St. Louis and St. Charles County. Well, speaking of kind of having a diverse set of listings, you guys have an amazing listing in Eminence, Missouri. It's like a big, some sort of like resort with all sorts of cabins and stuff on it. So, uh, how about we quit our real estate businesses, buy that together, and go run a <laughs> resort down in Eminence? Well, you know, that's a great investment opportunity for someone uh, who would like to have that lifestyle, certainly. I'll tell you, I love to travel, and I love the outdoors. After about a week of it, I'm good. I'm ready to get back to the city. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So I had a meeting today with my mentor, and he was mentioning that you have to have some mix of time, energy, and money. And he says, and if you don't have one, then you've got to you know, use more of the other. Like if you don't have any money, then you need to put in more energy and time. So in relation to the, that kind of that matrix, do you, do you or the people at your company have a certain way that you like to try to get business? You guys based on referrals, do you do tons of advertising or, you know, what's your formula? The majority of our business is from referrals and relationships. Uh, you know, you mentioned time as being one of those important key factors. And that's extremely important. We've got our, our, our team uh, built in a way where we've bifurcated some of the duties so that um, our agents aren't always, they don't have to do everything. We've got great support staff to do that takes care of a lot of the marketing for them and a lot of the administrative work for them so that they can focus on actually helping people achieve their real estate goals and meeting people because those are the things that are going to help them be successful in this business. They're not going to be successful if they're spending half of their day working on paperwork in the office. That's not what they got in the business for. And that's not what their skill set is likely going to be. Okay. So, um, before I jump into some other, my, some of my other questions, I know everyone has to be sitting here thinking this guy is really interesting. Right. So because of that, I want people to know how they can get a hold of you or follow you. You, you tweet and all that, right? Uh, I have a Twitter account. You have a Twitter account. <laughs> Do you want to share us some, some of your contact information? Uh, yeah, sure. You can, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Nate K. Johnson. And, um, you know, I, you find me on Facebook. You know, you type in Nate Johnson. I'm sure you'll find me. I'll pop right up there. Okay. Phone mm-hmm. number? Uh, Are you willing to share that? Yeah, sure. You can reach me at 314-514-9600. Okay. Anything else? Mm-hmm. I mean, any other contact info? Oh, uh, you, you can like, always do Snapchat or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Snapchat, so I don't know. Do you do that with public or just friends? I'm... You know, I, uh, I actually just got a Snapchat account the other day um, yeah. just to make the silly faces that you can make on it. Yeah. But I've not really, I don't think I have any Snapchat friends or, or anything like that. I don't know exactly how and all that works. Do you post photos on Instagram? I do. Yeah. What's your uh, Instagram handle? Or- you know what? I um, my Instagram handle is it's pro- I don't know. It's probably Nate K Johnson. I, okay. But I, I post quite a bit on Instagram. The more I think about it. Okay, good. Well, so you you've told us all about this different stuff that you do, but something we haven't mentioned is that you're also a family man. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that's important to me is that you know I one of my I guess my big goals is to have balance, and so I want to have you know, my successful business and I want to have a successful family life and have time for myself and all that kind of stuff. So I've, 
I'm your Facebook friend. Obviously, I see that you do stuff with your family all the time. It's not like you're just working constantly and you never see your family. How do you find that balance? You know, how do you find time to do all this stuff and still seem to be an amazing father and husband? Yeah, you know, it's um, are we recording that the amazing father and husband part? I need I need that. I'll, I'll take that. Sure, your wife listens. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll tell you, I I recognize that. I'm never going to have a chance to see my children grow up again. Right. So that's extremely important to me to make that happen. It also coincides with the same time that I'm growing my career. So I need to make sure that that happens as well. And I don't miss out on those opportunities too. So you said the word balance and it's really all about balance. It's, it's about, um, for me working all the time that I'm working and being present with my family all the time that I'm present with my family. Uh, you know, I try not to, you know, w- work is a very fluid sort of thing for me often as it relates to how I develop my business because you, as you mentioned, on you may see me on Facebook and I'm out at a festival or, or at a concert. Always, or always at every festival. Yeah, so I'm out there and, you know, I'm often there with my family and we're having a great time. But that's also a business opportunity for me because I'm meeting people at these festivals. I'm connecting with people. I'm seeing people that I know. So I'm having the opportunity to reconnect with people that I know. So that sort of thing. So those, that's where that sort of, where it crosses over where the business and family kind of mix. And I don't know if you have a, if you look, if you read my, my newsletter that I, that I send out, but, um, but you know, I often will have pictures of me and the family out hanging out as part of what I'm talking about as far as oh, the events cool. that are happening in St. Louis. So that kind of works. But when I'm at home, you know, it's six o'clock or seven o'clock at night and I'm, I'm sitting there with, uh, having dinner with my family. I'm not answering my phone. You know, it's, it's, it's in the other room or it's playing music or something. And I'm, I'm spending that quality time with them. Um, so that, that's, that's what it's about is being who you're with when you're with them. So you've set some rules about that kind of thing, like time management stuff. When you're at home, you're not just like on your laptop the whole time or anything like that. That's right. Yeah. I mean, obviously we all have certain situations where we know, okay, you know what? I'm not, I'm going to have to take this call when it comes in tonight. You know, that happens. Mm -hmm. But, uh, what I don't do is have that as a, as a normal occurrence and as, and have that as part of my business. You'll never see any advertisement from Nate Johnson that says I'm your man 24 hours a day because I'm not, I'm your man during the day, during business hours mostly and on weekends if necessary, but not even all the time over the weekend, but I'm going to do a great job for you every time. But as far as availability, 24 hours, we don't have real estate emergencies at 11 o'clock at night most of the time. So there's no need for me to advertise in that way because it's just not necessary. And I think that so often we as realtors put ourselves at a disadvantage when we uh, say that we're going to be available all the time. Because when you set those expectations for your clients, then that's what they expect. So when you answer the phone at nine o'clock at night on Monday, and you don't answer at nine o'clock at night on Wednesday, you've upset somebody. Right. But you've also gone to extreme lengths to make sure that you have a good team around you. Right. So it's not like you're letting things fall through the cracks. You've hired great people to help you out. Absolutely. You know, I, I, uh, that's a great point, Adam. I, I'll tell you, I really want to do all that I can to focus on my unique zone of genius. So I want to do the things that I do best and that I'm uniquely gifted to do within my team. And I want to let them do what they're best at on the team. So yeah, I have an amazing team around me and they support me and I support them and we support each other, quite frankly, because you know, I'm good at 
um, a lot of things. There's a lot of things that I'm not good at, but I've got people on my team that are great at those things. So the things that I'm great at, they may not be great at. So it, it balances out and it works itself out in a great way. I was going to say, you're probably not the guy to talk to about every latest episode of every show on Netflix or whatever, right? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. That's not me. That's and not I, you. Cause no, you're busy. Yeah. You're out doing mm-hmm. stuff with your family or you're working that kind of stuff. Okay. Anything else you want to mention? I, uh, before I jump into my five questions, I ask every guest. I'm sure you've heard them because you listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, do you have any other th- things you want to mention before I jump in? Yeah, I, you know, I just want to thank you for uh, for having me on the show. This has been a great experience. You know, uh, 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 I'm glad that you're involved in the realtor community, and you know, the Herman Lennon Group is a is a great company, and I'm I'm really glad to see that you have had success, and and hopefully you'll continue to have that for years to come. I'm sure you will. Thank you very much. And yeah, I mean, people. People ask me why would I want to have a realtor from another company on the show, because I'm in, I'm like you I'm inclusive and I think we can all learn from each other, and what a you know having this microphone in front of me kind of gives me the opportunity to interview someone like you right and maybe you would have gone and got a beer with me today but you know not I've I've through the podcast I've got to meet and interview and learn from a lot of interesting people so we you know we thank you for being here as well all right so my five questions. Uh, some of these, they're not that personal, but you know, if you don't want to share, that's fine. So who lives under your roof? Me, my wife, my two children and my cat. You're a cat guy. I thought you had a dog. You know what, Adam, we had a dog and a cat. And unfortunately, uh, our dog, our 10 year old dog just passed away just a couple of months ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Dogs are the best. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's like- a good dog. Okay, so where are you your best? I am my best when I am in front of a group of people. I feel that um, talking with people and having conversations with people, uh, being face-to-face, and, you know, I say a group of people, but I think whether that's one person, two people, five people, 500 people, that's where I'm at my best. And I guess to sum that up or to sort of boil that down a bit um, I think I'm at my best when I'm communicating with people. Okay. Do you have a favorite blog or podcast? Oh, wow. I don't know if you've got enough time on this show, Adam. You know, as a realtor, you know that I'm in my car quite a bit. And we've also discussed in the past that I have a tendency to travel uh, a bit. So I've got a lot of plane time and, and time there as well. So as a result, I'm a, I, I tend to be a podcast junkie. And, um, you know, so to ask me what my favorite podcast is would be a little bit tough to drill down on just one. Because you can give me two or three. You know, the rules aren't too tight around. <laughs> well, you know, you, I've got um, so, you know, I, I really enjoy the Tim Ferriss show. Uh, that's one that's probably towards the top of my list right now. I really enjoy, um, you know, I, I guess from a business perspective, if you ask me business-wise, that would probably be there. You know, I listen to Marketplace from NPR uh, almost every day. That's one of my favorites from a business perspective as well. Uh, I love This American Life. That's one that I really like on a, uh, you know, f- uh, from just a personal standpoint. I love Radiolab. That's one that's, that's, that's wow. phenomenal. Um, you know, there's just, uh, Malcolm Gladwell has recently put out a podcast that he's going to be hopefully coming back with a second season for, um, I you do the, do a lot of forget the name of it, but, uh, it's amazing podcast and it's a very thought provoking, um, experience. And I'll tell you what, with podcasts in general, you know, I just, uh, you know, that's, 
that's I get a I, I I would prefer to listen to a podcast than than probably to watch something on TV because you know when you're listening to a very thoughtful story or a thoughtful um, program, I mean, it's, you, with the podcast, you just have a lot more time to um, to really develop a story and really spend time with articulating a point, and and that's something that's very special to me. Well, I have to ask, this isn't one of our five questions, but I, I just need to know, do you have a, like a favorite book or a book that really sort of impacted you or a book that uh, you would say sort of reflects your, your, you know, your um, beliefs in business and life or anything like that? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I've, I've got a lot of books that I really enjoy. And I, you know, the, when you asked me what my favorite book was, um, what jumped out at me was the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell. That's uh, an amazing book. And it really, it really, uh, typifies my, um, my marketing strategy, quite frankly, and how I work with people and how I develop my business, um, and how different people, uh, relate to one another. Another great book from a business standpoint is the the uh, fifth the fifteen commitments of conscious leadership, uh, which is another amazing book. And it, I may be wrong on the number of commitments, but there are commitments to conscious leadership, and it's a uh, it has a plethora of authors on that book, and it's a really really insightful book about. Anyone who is involved in any level of leadership, whether that's leadership with your uh, your family, leadership with your business, leadership with your own career, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a very very thought provoking book. And then you know, recently I I um, and I probably you know similar to podcasts, I'm, I'm I, I read and listen to a lot of books. I'm uh, you know. If, two or three a month, I would say, uh, at least. And, uh, you know, one that I, I finished not too terribly long ago that it really kind of jumped up quickly up to the top for me or towards the top of my list, um, is the, the surrender experiment. And that was a, a very, very, um, uh, a very thought provoking book, just, uh, really talking about how you have to, um, sort of, uh, you know, surrender to the flow of life's perfection. This is a, a guy by the name of Michael Singer who wrote that book. And he really, uh, he was, he's got an amazing story in this book sort of takes you through the, the journey that he had that, um, that he, uh, that sort of helped him to get to where he, where he, where he landed with being a CEO of a, a major corporation. So that was a, another, another great book. And then, um, uh, suffering by a uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, who is a Viet- Vietnamese monk and uh, a Buddhist monk, and he, um, you know, that's just a very, very, uh, very rich book that uh, you know I, I often refer to uh, at night or in the morning just to help me clear my head or, or get prepared for the next day or get prepared for a, a good night's sleep and and just how to be you know thoughtful and mindful and really you know appreciate and enjoy what life has to offer. Good. Okay, I've got a lot of. Book reading or listen, I listen to books like you do. So what's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure. My guilty pleasure is, um, you know, sometimes I get caught up on some TV shows and I just binge watch them like in the middle of the night, you know, several hours at a time. And, um, you know, depending on the, what's going on, I, you know, I tend to latch onto a show and just watch it and watch it and watch it. And I'm often very well behind of the show. For, for example, right now I watch, um, Homeland. That's my middle of the night 
uh, Netflix. That's your Nate uh, time, I guess. That's the only kind of time you really get to yourself, maybe. Well, you know, I I, I don't want to paint the picture like I, I don't have any time on my own. But yeah, I definitely, you know, if I'm, you know, if, I, you know, maybe I'm not going to, I'm not going to be sleepy for a few hours or maybe I just don't want to go to sleep. Maybe I want to clear my head and think about somebody's problems who are much worse than mine or much different than mine, I guess. And, uh, you know, I say problems. I don't really have any problems. But, um, you know, we all have opportunities and challenges that we exist with and, um, you know, sometimes it's always good to just put yourself in a position to say, you know what, I'm not going to think about anything going on in my life for a little while and let me focus on, um, you know, maybe, uh, entertainment or, or something else that's going on. Okay. And lastly, before we wrap it up and I let you go, I'm sure you're busy. So what, who is your mentor and how have you thanked them? Who is my mentor and how do I, I thank them? How have you thanked? How them? have I thanked them? Either way, whatever. Mentor is a um, it's it's a it's an interesting question because what I like to think is that the world is my mentor. You know, I think of so many people. I've I've been blessed to have had an opportunity to meet and become friends with and just have interactions with so many amazing people. And I always get a little bit from them as far as, um, you know, what's helped make them successful. So as a result, that helps make me successful. And what I always want to give back is I always want to make sure that I'm helping somebody else. Uh, just like someone has helped me, I think that the best gift that I can give to any mentor is by mentoring someone else. Because again, you know, we're all in this together as a community. And if we're working together to help, uh, get somebody to the next level. You may have heard the saying, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. And I truly believe that, Adam. So for me, if I can help someone uh, with anything that they need help with to get to the next level, then that's what uh, uh, I think that's the best gift that, that I can give to a mentor. And that's certainly the best gift that someone can give to me is helping somebody get to the next level. Wow. Well, thank you, Nate, very much for being on the show today. Uh, Nate K. Johnson, pretty much at anything if they want to get a hold of you, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. And uh, we appreciate it. As always, for anyone listening, if you have questions, comments, any uh, guests you want to suggest to us for the future, just email podcast at hermanlondon.com. 